This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. And Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by the time, by this time, the boat was being battered by the waves and far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, and he said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water. And they came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 975. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and beginning at verse 22. This morning, I want to talk about doubt. I want to talk about doubt. Indeed, why do we do it? Why do we doubt? Obviously, Peter believed that Jesus could walk on the water. Indeed, through the, through the, the wind and, and the waves, Peter could see him doing it. Indeed, can you imagine what that must have looked like on, on such a, under such weather conditions as well, to see Jesus walking on the water? And, and this emboldened Peter. Indeed, uh, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, command me, tell me, as I'm like to obey you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so our text says that Peter got out of the boat, and as it says, as it as is often said, if you're going to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. So he got out of the boat. And he walked on the water, came toward Jesus. Peter was doing it. He was walking on the water with Jesus, but then he doubted. But why? Jesus was there. Jesus had called him out to walk on the water. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter is walking on it like Jesus but then he doubted. But why? 
In fact, that's the question that Jesus asked. Indeed, as he's rescuing, Jesus, or rescuing Peter from the water lest he drown, Jesus says to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's a fair question. And of course, it isn't just about Peter. It's also about you and me. Why do we do it? Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt God? I often quote John Stott, this particular quote from his book entitled People My Teachers. I, I, it's, it's, I think perhaps one of the most important quotes of my life and I guess that's why I keep on saying it. But he wrote this, he said, quote, it is precisely because God is faithful that faith in him is reasonable because there is no one more trustworthy than God. And yet we still doubt. Now in order to get the broader context of our text as it appears in verses 22 through 33, we have to back up a little bit to the beginning of the 14th chapter of Matthew. And there we read that when Jesus heard that Herod Antipas had beheaded John the Baptist, Jesus and his disciples got on a boat. They were on the western side of the Sea of, the Ga of Galilee and they headed across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the eastern side, presumably to remove themselves from Herod's jurisdiction until things kind of cooled off. And it was there in that region on the east side of the Sea of Galilee where there, by the way, happened to be a significant non-Jewish population that Jesus famously fed the 5,000. And it is there following the feeding of the 5,000 that our text begins. And so we read in verse 22, and Jesus made the disciples, and in fact it's a very strong word, he compelled them. Uh, some translations say he insisted. He made the disciples get into the boat and to go before them onto the other side, back to the other side where they had come from some time ago, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and that while he dismissed the crowds. That is, these 5,000 men plus women and children, you know how the story is often described in the Scriptures. In verse 23, and after Jesus had dismissed Matthew, the crowds, Matthew says, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And this is something that Jesus was often wont to do. He, Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed in people's presence, he prayed in the synagogue, he prayed at temple, he prayed privately, and, one, and this is an example of such a time, even if you might like, a short prayer retreat. And so Jesus prayed a lot, and we might say also that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a man or woman of prayer. If we, this, to do, follow me, and this is the sort of thing that he does. Which is something that Jesus did seemingly because he enjoyed praying. Which is the primary reason why we pray as well, hopefully. I hope you just don't call him when uh, you're having an emergency. Like you call the, the police. Uh, you don't have a relationship with, with the police, you just ring them up when you're having trouble. But God wants to have uh, more of a relationship with us than that. And prayer is the way in which we speak to God and God speaks to us. But Jesus did it because seemingly he enjoyed it and 
Hopefully that's true of us as well. In fact, somebody has written this. Care should be taken not to reduce prayer to yet one more way for us to gain control of things. Indeed, when prayer's primary purpose becomes something more than enjoying communion with God, we will begin to argue about whether prayer works or doesn't work. In which case, if we decide that prayer works, we will conclude that prayer is a thing worth doing. And if not, we will conclude that prayer is not a thing worth doing. Prayer, however, the writer writes, ought to be thought of more like eating. We eat because we're hungry and we eat because we enjoy it. We don't usually eat with the intent of getting something done. We just enjoy it for what it is. To be sure, as a result, we are physically strengthened by it, but that isn't usually the motivation for doing it. The pleasure derived from eating is motivation enough. And so with prayer, by it we are made spiritually stronger, but we pray primarily because communion with God is pleasurable. Prayer is the act of the creature enjoying fellowship with his or her creator. And prayer is a pleasurable experience because we were designed by our Creator to enjoy it. <laughs> and so after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, to enjoy fellowship, communion with God the Father. And Matthew says in verse 23, And when evening came, Jesus was there alone. Alone on the mountain, with the crowds now dispersed and on their way home if they hadn't reached their homes already. And so Jesus was alone, but as we read on, the disciples were in trouble. Indeed, in verse 24, Matthew says, but the boat by this time was now a long way from the land. In fact, at its farthest points, the Sea of Galilee is approximately seven and a half miles wide. So they're out there, no turning back now. And Matthew says, and the boat was being beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. Indeed, sudden storms are common on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, much was made of that when we were in Israel some back in 2014. In fact, the strong winds blow in off of the Mediterranean in sort of a, a low-lying topography that runs east and west. Uh, and it just, just like, it, like air, uh, a strong wind through a valley, it, it comes from the Mediterranean and just descends all of a sudden on the Sea of Galilee. And so the disciples are struggling in the boat with sail down and oars out. Matthew says in verse 24, in the fourth watch of the night, the Romans divided the p.m., post-meridian, the evening, night, into four quarters, four three-hour periods from 6 p.m. to 9, from 9 to 12, from 12 to 3, and 3 to 6. So this is the fourth watch, some, sometime between, between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Interestingly enough, up until this point in Holy Scripture, only God is ever described as one who walks 
on the sea. How interesting. But here comes Jesus walking on the sea. But Matthew says, verse 26, but when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified. Peter says, they were scared out of their wits. <laughs> and so verse 26, Peter says that when the disciples saw Jesus on the sea, they were terrified and they said, it's a ghost, a phantom, not a person. People don't walk on the sea. And so they cried out in fear. I mean, it was, it was bad enough, wasn't it, you know, that uh, they might lose the boat and drown, lose their lives, and, and now here comes an evil spirit to torment them. <laughs> and so they cry out in fear. But Jesus says in verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, or in the King James, be of good cheer, <laughs> it is I, be not afraid. Well, Peter answers, in fact, Peterson in the message, he says, and Peter's suddenly bold. <laughs> it never took much to get Peter excited about anything. But he's thinking, wow, it's not a ghost, it's Jesus. And so in, in, in verse 28, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. I'd like to know what the others were thinking. <laughs> yeah, be my guest, you first. And so Matthew says, and Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on the water. Extraordinary. And came to Jesus. But verse 30, but, but then it says, Peter saw the wind. Literally in the Greek, it, it, it's, it, it is Peter looking at the wind. It's in the present tense. Peter looking, or we might say, Peter got distracted, and now he's staring at the effects of the wind. Indeed, notwithstanding Jesus being present, the weather hadn't changed. It was just as bad as was described a few verses ago. The, the, it was still as bad as what made them take uh, down the sail and get out the oars and struggle to keep the, the, the boat from capsizing. It, this, is, this is still, when I ask the question, what was it like for them to see Jesus on the water? I mean, maybe it was a dizzy mess. <laughs> and so the storm is still raging. And so verse 30, Peter was afraid. And when, and when he went from faith to fear, he began to sink. And as he began to sink, he cried out, right? It's like Anne Lamott in one of her books. She said she had to, her two favorite prayers were thank you, thank you, thank you, and help me, help me, help me. And that's what, that's what this is, a help me, help me, help me prayer. <laughs> Lord, save me. And Matthew says, verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of Peter. And as he had Peter in his clutch, he said to Peter, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Some people, some of us think, well, that was kind of a stupid question to ask. I don't know if it was so stupid. He was walking on the water. And Jesus, I don't know how he managed the leverage, is standing on the water lifting him out, lifting, lifting Peter out of the water. 
I, I thought about this, you know, this uh, OU of little faith. It's, it's, it's almost like a descriptive title, kind of like Dances with Wolves, you know. Right? Well, who, what's your name? Dances with Wolves. What do you do? What do you think? <laughs> what's your name? OU of little faith. What do you do? What do you think? OU of little faith. Why did you doubt? And it says, and when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased. It's like Jesus saying, enough of that. Now what's interesting, if you know anything about the Sea of Galilee or just in general, once the storm stops, the water doesn't stop. And especially like this, the wind stops immediately. Okay, great, the wind stops. Maybe the sky clears a little, but the water is still trying to recover. And when Peter and Jesus got into the boat, the wind ceased. And Matthew tells us, verse 33, and those in the boat, that is the other disciples, who had been watching all of this. And the storm suddenly becomes calm. And those in the boat worshipped him. Literally, it means they fell to their knees and did homage. They didn't know, I, I, I'm guessing they didn't really think much about it. It just was sort of an instinctive response to, wow. And then they give this creedal statement about what they believe, if you like. Truly you are the Son of God. But it's Jesus' question to Peter that I've been thinking about all this last week. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so each time this last week as I've felt anxiety about one thing or another, maybe, am I the only one? Did you have any anxiety this last week about one thing or another? I posed the question to myself. Scott, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so why are you doubting? Scott, God has said, I'm working all things together for your good. So, Scott, why are you afraid? When I was at Dallas Seminary back in the 80s, I graduated with my Master of Theology degree in 1991. Ugh, can you, is that, is that 32 years ago? I don't feel 32 years older, but apparently I am. Dr. Hanna was one of my favorite professors. He was professor of historical theology. He was kind of idiosyncratic. And um, he, was, he always came in just as lecture was to begin, right, at the, right when the clock would buzz. And we would all be there, sort of, Amphitheater seating, you know. So he was there. We were always looking down to him at the, his lectern. And he did the same thing. And we all wore jackets and ties back in those days. And he would take off his jacket and hang it over the, this chair. And then he would, then he would unbutton the, the, the cuffs of his sleeves. And there was two on this side and two up on that side. And then he would come to the lectern, and then you knew he was going to give you the nugget. <laughs> we were all like, 
what's he going to say today? And sometimes he'd say something uh, funny, because he, and it was always quite dry. But oftentimes he said something that was very profound. On one particular day, he said this, and I wrote it down, and I've been thinking about it and using it for all those many years since. But this is what he said. He said, Christianity is not what it is because it has an answer to every question. But because when there are no answers, it offers a person that we can trust. And that person is Jesus. Peter lost his nerve on the sea because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we condemn ourselves to the same fate. O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? <laughs> Let us pray. It's frustrating, Lord. We don't want to doubt. But we do, and we're often caught off guard. Uh, um, and, but this is, this is the test. In fact, we don't like the test. But the test is good because the test is, if it is anything, a reality check. The test shows us where we really are, not where we think we are. And there's no way to move forward and grow if we're wrong about where we're starting. And so you allow our faith to be tested, these, these occasions in which we're tempted to, to, to doubt and, and not believe and, and to worry and think that, that we live at the mercy of all of these things that we fear rather than living at your mercy and remembering that you are a merciful God. And so help us. Help us to remember Jesus' response. He didn't coddle Peter. He challenged him. And we need to be challenged. If we would grow, it's in us. We just need it to be drawn out. And the way in which you draw it out or the opportunities that you provide in which it may be drawn out is the test. Help us to pass the test. We don't want to be O oh, you of little faith, we want to be. O oh, you of strong faith, we don't want to doubt. We don't want to lose heart. We want to believe. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.